What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, flying solo today on our final preview before Ohio State takes on Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. Looking forward to that football game tomorrow afternoon. Let's just dive right into this final preview and get you all ready for the big game tomorrow. It's going to start at 4 o'clock. That's the kickoff, 4 o'clock tomorrow. A little bit different start time there. Usually they're noon, 3.30 or 7, 7.30. 4 o'clock kick, it is on Fox. So if you do not have... uh, Um, If you're not able to go to the football game, that is, you can watch it on Fox. So that is where the football game is going to be played, the channel it's going to be played on. Let's take a look a little bit at Ohio State's background in playing Conference USA teams. Of course, Western Kentucky is in the Conference USA, and we have played quite a few teams who at one point or another – were members of the Conference USA. However, we've only played six teams while they were in the Conference USA. And actually, out of those six games, one of those teams we played three times, that being in Cincinnati in 1999, 2002, and 2004. Of course, the 2002 game was the close one, a 23-19 victory that was played at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati in that national championship 2002 run. In the year 2012, we actually played two uh, two games against teams from Conference USA, UCF and UAB, both of which are no longer in Conference USA. And then a couple years ago in 2019, uh, Florida Atlantic came to the shoe That was a 45-21 win in what was Justin Fields' first game as a Buckeye, as I recall. So little little history there with Conference USA teams. Now let's take a look at what we've done against teams from the state of Kentucky. Five games. Of course, the first three were against UK. Look at that score all the way back in 1895. Ohio State 8, Kentucky 6. 1919, 49-0 blowout. A little bit closer, 1935, 19-6 was that score. 1991, we played Louisville. That was a 23-15 win. 1992, we barely squeaked out that victory. 20-19, one Kirk Herbstreet was the quarterback for Ohio State in 1992, as I recall. Let's take a quick look now at some statistics here because, believe it or not, 
this game has there's a lot of interesting things about this game statistically. Let's take a look at Ohio State first. Of course, Kyle McCord was indeed named the starter on Tuesday during Ryan Day's press conference with the media. He's 34-53 passing so far in two games, 497 total passing yards, three touchdowns, one INT. Leading rusher so far this year is Travion Henderson. He's carried the football 17 times through two games, just over 100 yards at 103 and a pair of scores. Leading the way in the receiving department, of course, is Marvin. Uh, that would be Marvin uh, Harrison, not Henderson, excuse me. Marvin Harrison Jr., my apologies. Uh, nine receptions for 178 yards and two scores so far, both of them coming last week in the game against Youngstown State. On the defensive side of things, Steel Chambers actually leads the team in total tackles right now at 11. He's just ahead of his linebacker running mate, Tommy Eichenberg, who's at 10, if I'm not mistaken. But Eichenberg is tied with Michael Hall Jr., as well as backup defensive tackle Hero Canoe, all of which have one sack. No sack from the defensive end as of yet this season. Uh, we do have one interception that came last week against the Penguins. Denzel Burke, who has just done phenomenal job at the cornerback position through the first two games, he had a great interception last week. And then there's been one forced fumble. We didn't recover it. It was actually recovered uh, by uh, Youngstown State last week, but it was on the sack that Tommy Eichenberg had. He does have one forced forced fumble easy enough for me to say in the kicking department Jaden Felding is three for three with field uh, field goals with a long of 40 and he's seven of seven on extra points as a team here are some interesting statistics total yards per game Ohio State's at 431 and uh, that's good enough for 52nd in college football so just a little over the halfway mark there we got to improve on that Here's where we are struggling immensely. Third down conversion percentage. Um, not good. 114th in college football. Guys, that's just not going to cut it. We got to get better at that. Inside the red zone, we're 833. Again, that's 69th best in college football. Got to get better inside the red zone as well. Uh, the team we're going up against is one, 100%, one of the best, tied for best in all of college football through two games. Turnover margin, we've had one, we've gotten one. So we're at zero and uh, 62nd best in college football. Penalties per game, five and a half. Got to bring those down a little bit, guys. That's 57th best in college football. So as you can see, we have some things to work on as a team there. Flipping over to the other team, the other side of the field where Western Kentucky comes in. Now, granted, Western Kentucky's not exactly played stellar competition. They opened up the season with USF, and then they played Houston Christian, um, a team that's in the same division uh, as Youngstown State but is, does not have the reputation that the Penguins do. Individually for the Hilltoppers, Austin Reed is 56 of 83 passing for 589 yards, six touchdowns, no INTs uh, during his first two games. They don't run run the football very much. Uh, Davian Irvin Poindexter is their leading rusher. He's carried the ball 15 times, only 78 yards. Now, they their best receiver has been injured. 
Easton Messer has picked up the slack. 11 receptions, 134 yards, one touchdown, but they spread the football out. On the other side of the ball, uh, leading the team with 11 tackles is a tie between uh, Talik Allen and Jaquez Evans. Jaquez Evans, excuse me. Easy enough for me to say. Jaquez. Jaquez Evans. Yes. Three sacks for Kendrick Simpkins. He leads the team in that department. They have three guys with one interception. Upton Stout, Desmond Baker, and Aaron Key. Uh, Three guys have also forced a fumble on defense. Again, Allen, Simpkins, and Evans have all done so. In the kicking department, Lucas Camiro, or Camiro, three for three on field goals with a long of 42, and he's 12 of 12 for extra points. As a team, the Hilltoppers, uh, they're getting 449 yards per game. That's 41st best in college football. Their third down conversion percentage of 423 is only 69th. It is better than Ohio State by quite a bit, but not exactly stellar. Red zone scoring, look at that, perfect. Every time they get in the red zone, they're getting points. That's tied for first best in all of college football, obviously. Total defense, though, 120th. They do give up some yards, so... Where Ohio State uh, is really, really good defensively, statistically, in total defense. Not so much there for the Hilltoppers. In fact, Ohio State's fourth in college football, uh, which is really good, where the Hilltoppers are 120th. Really need to take advantage of that. Turnover margin. They are getting the football, though. So it's feast or famine on that defense. Three turnovers this year. That's tied for three, three plus, that is. That is tied for first in all of college football. Penalties per game, they're a little worse than Ohio State, believe it or not. Six and a half per game. 84th is their ranking in all of college football in that department. So as you can see when looking at those statistics and just overview just in total looking at this game, This is going to offer Ohio State a lot of potential to do a couple things. Number one, we're going to find out how good this defense is. This is an offense that is going to challenge us, especially through the air. We're going to see how well our secondary has improved, uh, how sound they are defensively. Can we get home and create pressure and havoc on the defensive line? We've not really done that yet through the first two games. We're going to have to do that if you're going to beat a better opponent like a Notre Dame, which is just right around the corner. So this is going to offer uh, at least that look on the defensive side. And on the offensive side, this is not a very good defense. Can we score some points? We've scored 23 in the first game, 35 in the second game. Can we crack the 40s? I think you, you know that can happen. That can happen. I believe we're we're going to be somewhere around 45, somewhere in that department, 42. And um, I think this defense is going to be challenged a little bit. I do think they're going to put up some points on our defense. But at the end of the day, I think we win comfortably. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree, high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. 
And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. And I am joined by our special guest this evening, Stephen Moffat from the Top Topper Talk podcast, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. And let's just start there. A lot of people make fun of us being Buckeyes. We love it. We accept it. Hilltoppers. I've heard of some doozies. What even is a Hilltopper? You know, it... <laughs> For such a name that draws so many questions, we hear that one a lot, but it's really, it's a simple answer. Um, our, our campus is located on a hill and um, that, you know, that's the main source of it. You know, our athletics used to be located at the top of the hill, which is a big driver to that. The football and the basketball arenas used to be at the top of the hill. They've since located down to the bottom in a more uh, friendly, you know, accessible area part of campus. But, you know, that's kind of the origin of the name is uh, just being located on campus on a hill. And the students that have to walk up that every day to class, they they definitely know why we're called Hilltoppers. Well, my most of my family originally came from eastern Kentucky, so I know all about uh, the holler. Uh-huh, yeah, see, a Buckeye knows what the holler is. There you go. So uh, we, are, we are tickled pink to have this game this year, um, you know, when it comes to Conference USA, I know you guys are you guys are relatively new to the conference uh, Conference USA. If I if I look that up right, right? Um, we joined in 2014, so still 14. fairly new. Yeah, yeah. So we've played a lot of teams from Conference USA when they weren't a part of Conference USA. Believe it or not, we've played Cincinnati a bunch, and they've been in and out of that conference. Uh, Tulsa, Tulane, we played them, but they weren't a part of the conference when we played them. Um, but and, and, and here's a, another little take about Ohio State. We've only played two other schools from Kentucky, of course, UK and Louisville, and and we haven't played them since the haven't played Louisville since the 90s, and we haven't played Kentucky since the 1930s. So, you know, you would think Ohio and Kentucky would get together more often. They have in basketball. But, you know, football is the thing here in Ohio and at Ohio State. And so we're tickled pink to actually have a school pretty close to us coming to, to play in, in Ohio State. So that being said, let me get to my next question. Uh, what were the expectations for the Hilltoppers this season before the season even got started? Well, you know, the, the expectations are pretty high for, for the Hilltoppers. Um, Conference USA has seen a lot of movement. We've had a lot of teams that moved out to the Sun Belt a couple of years ago. Then we had six more teams this year that moved out to the AAC. So this year's Conference USA is a really different look than what we've seen in the recent years past. Um, you know, media preseason, we're picked to win the conference, you know, by an overwhelming majority. Uh, we return a lot of good talent, um, including, you know, a, a really good quarterback that led the nation in passing yards last season, um, a wide receiver that is the leading uh, yardage returning wide receiver, also led the nation in yards after catch last year, um, you know, preseason defensive player of the year in Conference USA, a lot of good transfers from other P5 schools that are coming in and just a lot of returning talent. So, you know, I don't want to say it's a uh, conference championship or bust, but the expectations are high that we have the talent, we have the team, we have the coach. Um, and in this new new look conference USA that, you know, doesn't have the UTSA that we've battled the last couple of years and come up on the short end, uh, doesn't have UAB, UNT, just, 
you know, some programs that have just been road bumps the last couple of years where we've been so close to getting that conference championship that we haven't had uh, since 2016. Um, you know, the expectations are high. We, we plan on winning a lot of games. Um, our schedule shapes up nicely to, you know, possibly push into double digit wins, 10, possibly 11 wins. So we just have to take care of what's in front of us in the games, um, execute with the team and the offense that we have be solid on defense and we should win a lot of games. So definitely conference championship, obviously get to a bowl game, win a bowl game. If we can, you know, those are always going to be the expectations here. Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've seen, I've caught several Western Kentucky games in the past. I haven't watched them yet this year. We're going to be diving into the film this week and, and getting a glimpse. We know you guys can score the football. Absolutely can score the football defense though. Different question a little bit there. It kind of reminds us a little bit of what Ohio State has been in the last few years. Big time on the offensive side and just ole on the defense. And can we outscore you? Uh, you know, we go back, we look at the Georgia game last year in the, in the college football playoff. I mean, if I, we get one stop, one more stop, we're probably national champions last year, um, given that offense. Of course, now this year, it's a little bit reversed a little bit for Ohio State. So with that being said, what is kind of the feel for this team? I mean, uh, has is there is there a lot is there any talk about we need to improve the defense or is it just like hey man we're an offensive team let's go score as many as we can and we'll just outscore everybody and that's just kind of the philosophy that the Hilltoppers have. You know the the high flying offense, the scoring a lot of points, throwing for a lot of yards has been the identity that we have embraced over the last ten years. It's won us a lot of football games. Um, it helps our attendance, our recruiting. Um, you know, four out of the last 10 years, we've had a quarterback lead the nation in passing. So just really starting uh, solid going back to Brandon Dowdy, did it twice, you know, 10 years ago. Bailey Zappi a couple years ago broke the all-time single-season record for passing yards and touchdowns. Um, and then Austin Reed, you know, a transfer in last year, led the nation in passing yards. So Offense is what we're known for. It's what Tyson Hilton wants to be known for. He wants to move the ball, put players in space with the opportunity to make plays and score a lot of points. You know, it's, it's what helps sell tickets defensively. You know, it, it was and still is the biggest question mark coming into this game. We only had four uh, starters returning on that side of the ball. Definitely the biggest question mark. Um, you know, and even now after two games, it's still a question mark. You know, the defense has been softer than what we'd like. You know, we need to get into that bend, don't break kind of mentality. You know, we can we can give up yards between the 20s, uh, but we need to hold teams to field goals, you know, especially as we get into the meat of our schedule, which is coming up immediately starting this Saturday. So defense is the biggest question mark. Offense is going to be what we're known for. It's the brand of football that we want to play, um, and it, you know, Hopefully we can continue that Saturday. I know it's going to be a tough challenge, though. So it's a fair statement to say that basically the defensive side of the ball is the weakness on this team right now. And if that's the case, is is it more is it more on the run game or the passing game or on that defense? Where is the glaring weakness? You know, right now, especially through two games, you know, as I was looking at the you know the per game stats for both of our teams, you know, coming into this game. Right now, it has been our run defense. You know, teams have been gashing us. Um, we played USF week one. They had a really mobile quarterback, um, and he had, I think, 160 rushing yards on us, two touchdowns, really gave us trouble when he got outside the tackles and made continued a lot of drives, made a lot of big plays. 
Um, so I, I would say run defense right now. You know, I'm I'm more confident in the back end guys able to step up and stop, you know, the big plays in front of them. Obviously, that's going to be a little tougher when you got Marvin Harrison Jr. across the line from you. But um, I think the run defense is definitely the bigger question mark uh, for our defense at this moment. Ryan Day has been complaining a lot about the the play clock and how you know the the running clock has changed how teams have attacked us. We're actually kind of excited that we're going to play a team that's not afraid to up-tempo offensively because that's going to give us more possessions. Um, but at the same time, has there have you seen or heard the coaches talk at all about that? Is it, or is it just, you know, that we haven't really noticed? We're still scoring tons of points. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the coaches talk about it. You know, obviously as a fan, you know, watching these first – you know, two plus weeks of college football, you definitely notice it. You know, it seems like the the quarters and the games are getting by quicker. But then when you look at the breakdown of plays per game, it's not a a big difference. Um, we've still scored plenty of points in our first two games. We've left a lot of points on the field that we we didn't finish drive. So, you know, at this point, I don't see a big difference because we're so up tempo to the line. We're not pushing the play clock down to zero, regardless. Uh, we're usually getting on the ball pretty quick substitutions get made, hike it, and, and go. So at this point, it hasn't really affected us. Um, but in the, the big picture of college football, I've definitely seen the effect. Yeah. Um, so two-part two question here uh, for you there, uh, Moff. Number one, how does the fan base look at this trip to Columbus? And number two, how does the team look at this trip? You know, the fan base, um, I think anytime we have a, a big, you know, especially P5 game, you know, the last couple of years, um, you know, we played at Auburn. We played at Indiana. Um, we take good crowds to those games. You know, we've had a good sea of, of our WKU red at those games. So I expect the fans to see this game and be like, you know, that's a college football game environment that I want to be a part of. I want, I want to go there. I want to experience it. Uh, win, lose, or draw, I'm there to support the Hilltoppers. You know, I, I want to see a good football game and a good atmosphere. So I think the fans, you know, just – kind of embrace that we have that opportunity to go up there and see uh, a really good college football game between two good football teams. The team, the players, um, you know, and getting to talk to some of them, you know, we, I think we have a lot of players that are future professionals, future NFL players on our team. And, you know, win or lose, if we go up there pulling up that great, that's going to be an amazing story. Um, but a lot of these players see this as a big opportunity to put good game film mm. against a really solid team, really solid defensive team. Um, you know, if you can have that game film and, and get to show that to, you know, the pro scouts and increase your odds and chances of, of making it to the next level. So I think obviously the players want to win. They're competitors. They're, you know, near the highest level of their sport. They're, they're going there to win the game. They're not going to go there to lose the game. Um, albeit that being a tough task, but, you know, they know that the opportunity in front of them is to show that they can compete with the best of the best, and that's what they hope to do. A follow-up question. How many uh, potential NFL players are on this roster, in your opinion? I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, there's three that you know, I'll see getting projected uh, and drafted this next year. Uh, Austin Reed, quarterback, Malachi Corley, wide receiver, Jaquez Evans, uh, defensive end linebacker, kind of a hybrid guy. And then we've got several other guys in the secondary, you know, Upton Stout type players, 
Um, a couple of P5 wide receivers uh, that have transferred here, Blue Smith, Jimmy Holiday, um, Xavion Capers. I, I think there's a lot of talent on this team and players that once we plug them into this system and they fully grasp what we're doing, they're going to get the best opportunity to shine and show their talents. So, there, you know, there's several. Uh, those three are kind of going to naturally float to the top of the list just with all the preseason accolades the success they've had over the previous seasons, but um, you know, a good group of guys on this team. Yeah. So I want you to put your pro- projection hat on a little bit. And if you um, on Saturday, you're sitting in the horseshoe, uh, which I assume is going to be your first trip uh, to one of the most beautiful places to watch a game. And are you sitting in your section, by the way, is, are you sitting with mostly uh, WKY fans or WKU fans? Yes, sir. I, I order tickets through our ticket office. I'll be in okay. section 10C. Okay. Okay. So you're going to be on the northeast corner. All right. So you'll be opposite of the big screen or the, the open end of the stadium, as we used to call it back when the stadium was truly a horseshoe, which is where the name of the shoe comes from. Um, so that being said, um, you're sitting there Saturday Give me what you believe the game will look like from your perspective, beginning, middle, end. What do you kind of foresee happening? You know, I think that Western Kentucky has to come out aggressive. Um, You know, it reminds me of a game we played at Alabama uh, several years ago. I think it was 2016, and then even we played at Auburn last year. Um, We had to come out very aggressively, kind of, you know, sprinkled in some mixed plays, a flea flicker here and there. Um, you know, last year, even though Auburn was down in terms of their season, you know, we're still a G5 small team going into Auburn. We had them tied at halftime, you know, 17-17 at half. Um, after the half now, it it didn't play out in our favor. The run game started to gash us. Um, but in my opinion, we're going to have to come out aggressive. Um, you know, not you know, we're not going to be sprinkling a bunch of run plays in there. We're going to be you know, dropping back four or five wide, throwing the ball over the yard and trying to put guys in position to make plays. You know, obviously you want to keep it close to half, uh, then come out of half and try to try to keep it close to the end and just give your yourself a shot to win. You know, I think the team and, and most realistic fans know that coming into this type kind of environment with the top 10, you know, perennial, you know, potential national championship team knows that, to come in there and get this upset, you know, we're almost going to have to pitch a perfect game. You know, we're going to have to do everything right, execute in all three phases of the game, um, and maybe even have a little luck, whether that be turnovers or whatever it is, go our way to come out of there with a victory. But I think, you know, coming out aggressive early, trying to keep it close in the middle, score as many points as we can, don't have empty drives, um, and give yourself a shot going into the fourth quarter. That's all you can do. All right. So let's let's uh, kind of jump ahead then. I'll come back and get this other question here at the end. What is your score prediction then for Saturday? You know, I did a I did a big batch of score predictions for our podcast. And I did this preseason. This was with a lot of unknown variables, not just for us, but just for our opponents as well because we had several opponents with new head coaches. We have you all with a new uh, quarterback that you're breaking in. Um, so my preseason prediction was – that OSU would win 41 to 20. Um, you know, as we get closer to the game day, I'm not sure that I'm going to stray a, a lot from that. I, you know, I know the line has moved from OSU being favored by 26 to now 27 and a half. Um, but I think, 
you know, what we want to do is just keep it respectable, not get blown out, obviously come out of there healthy. Um, and I think a 41 to 20 ball game would certainly show that, Hey, we came to play. We didn't just roll over and, you know, and accept a check and go back home. If we cover that spread, I'll be shocked. Let's be honest with you. I'll be shocked. Um, I would say hammer the under. If you're a betting fan and you're watching this and you're a Hilltopper fan, take the under, win some money. Um, I don't think Ohio State has covered the spread. I want to say it's been seven straight games now. We've been under. Now, they are. there's a lot of Ohio State fans, and a lot of them wear scarlet and gray glasses. And and Vegas knows this, and so they're they always pump that score up a few points more to see how many more Buckeye fans can they win money on. It seems like so uh, definitely hammer the under there. Um, all right, so I'm really interested in your take. I know the eastern part of the state very well. Like I said, um, how does the state of Kentucky as a whole, not just Western Kentucky University? but the entire state view Ohio state. I'm very interested in your, in your answer here. Well, um, I, I don't want to be the sole representative speaking for all of Kentucky, but I, I do. You have, are tonight. You I are the man tonight. tonight. I am. I will. I will do it. I will wear that badge. There you go. Um, I have a few friends that are Ohio state fans. I, I don't know where it came from. I never asked them like, why are you an Ohio state fan living in Kentucky? You know, I know that we're border states, so, um, that may play into it. I'm not really sure why, but they've been Ohio State's been a good football program for a long time. You know, just a nationally relevant program year after year. Um, always recruits at a high level. Always plays at a high level. Always wins at a high level. So, you know, from my perspective, the guys that I see, the people that I know, you know, not only Ohio State fans, but just fans of football in general, I like watching good football with good teams, good players, good results. Um, and I think that's what we're going to see Saturday. So, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for Ohio State. I've never heard anyone close to me or around me talk badly about Ohio State. Now, if we were talking about UK or U of L, that may be a different story that we're talking about. But, sure. you know, the Ohio State fans, the people I know, they're they're respectable stand up people. Um, you know, even a couple of them that have made several trips up to Columbus and are kind of guiding, you know, where I go and what I do. Um, and where I'm staying, you know, I've, I've not heard anything but good things from them about Ohio State, the campus, the environment, the stadium, and just what to expect in that big of a stadium. You know, we play in a 22-plus thousand-seat stadium. So, you know, we're in for a little shock and awe for what we experienced on Saturday. But, you know, I think the state of Kentucky, you know, you have to look at a school like Ohio State and what they've done in college football, um, just whether you want to look at that recently or just all time, you know, they're just an all time great college football program. And you have to respect that. They've done it so good for so long, multiple coaches, constant stream of players to the NFL, you know, winning games. And that's what it's all about. So I think they do it the right way. Um, yeah. And they're, they're a program that everyone would love to get to that level and say, you know, we are that good. I would say you, People from Kentucky can relate. Um, Kentucky is basketball crazy, man. And, um, you know, UK and Louisville, for that matter, um, in basketball are equivalent to what Ohio State is in football. 
But, you know, we are a football school. There's, I mean, we've had some good basketball teams in the past, but we, we're not fooling anybody. We're not a basketball school. Like, it's not, like, it's not, it's not something like we have to dribble. No, we don't do that here. Like, you, you got to run and pass that football. Uh, this is a football school. And so I think on a apples to apples comparison, when you look at UK and Louisville, and you look and you take the basketball craze of that and you compare that to almost the cult-like behavior that you get in those in those arenas and atmosphere of those programs that's what Ohio State football is and um i think you know what's the biggest stadium you've ever been in um i've been to alabama a couple times okay, uh, okay. auburn auburn was pretty big and i guess I got. I was watching the Maurice Claret documentary pretty pretty recently, so I kind of saw that you know talking about uh, Trestle and his Youngstown State days, and then obviously Maurice coming to Ohio State, and obviously that controversy. But you got a lot of glimpse into just that football centric environment, whereas Kentucky is very much basketball centered and has been for a long time. It feels like it's shifting somewhat, just on the national landscape and. Um, with just the focus that universities are putting on football. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, Ohio State definitely has that craze, that football first mentality, and I respect it. I, I, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to making that trip on Saturday. Uh, you're going to have a great time, man. For the most part, the fan base is very respectable. Um, the, there might be some, you know, fun jostling going on and you've been to Bama. So don't worry about it. Like you, you can survive Bama. You can survive anything in my opinion. But uh, uh, yeah, there's definitely like, like here's, here's what it's like. Let's say you guys, let's say it's close in the fourth quarter and Ohio state escapes with like a 10 to 17 point win. Your, the fan base will leave that stadium and act like it was a loss. That's what it's like. The standard is just so high. And the expectations are so high there that it is like this crazed buildup that that happens. Um, so I'm going to join you on your podcast. I won't I won't reveal all of those things. I know you're going to have a lot of questions for me there. Where can all my listeners find you at? Because I'm sure they're going to want to at least listen to this upcoming preview you guys are going to have. Where can they find uh, the Topper Talk podcast? Yes, sir. Um, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at topper underscore talk. And then we're on YouTube at topper talk podcast. So that would be where to find us in all our episodes. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ma, for joining us here on the OHO podcast. Truly appreciate it. You enjoy yourself Saturday. Win, lose, or draw. I think you're going to have a great time in, in, in what we call CBUS. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for having me. Thank you. And welcome back to the OHL Podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is Sergeant MVP Aaron Brown. And we are going to break down some film of Western Kentucky to get you ready for Saturday's big game against the Hilltoppers. Now, Aaron, before we jump into the film here a little bit, just give a quick overview of what you saw offensively and defensively from these guys. And then we're going to break them down with specific plays. So offensively... If you guys remember Mike Leach and Texas Tech or anywhere else, Washington State, that he's been, you might be familiar with the air raid offense where it's just 70 passes and maybe two runs, and those are probably broken plays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what you're looking at with Western Kentucky, guys. Uh, there's it, it just a ton of different routes. Most of them are going to be deep. 
Um, they do have some screens that they like to run. Uh, what I noticed is a lot of 10 and 11 personnel. So if you're not familiar with that terminology, uh, 10, uh, the first number represents the amount of running backs in the formation and the zero is the tight ends. So one running back, zero tight ends. So it's just, you know, the typical two, two and, and then, uh, they also run the 11. So one running back, one tight end, uh, again, pass happy. Quick passes, deep passes, so they'll they'll run a lot of different things on you. Um, just not great at running the ball. Again, uh, I've seen them run a lot of trips. When I see trips, I'm thinking screen right away. Something to look out for. Uh, and then as far as their blocking schemes, it's a lot of zone. So tandem blocking. Uh, so two on one, et cetera. And again, the keys, the keys that our defense is going to be reading. All right, high hats or high helmets, pass. Low helmets run, but I don't look to see a lot of low low hats this weekend. So defensively, they throw something a lot differently at us that we uh, aren't accustomed to seeing. They run a lot of dime. So if you don't know what dime is, that is six defensive backs, one linebacker. And the way they utilize their linebacker is a lot like, uh, like if Sonny Styles were to play linebacker. He's very athletic, very fast. Um, not the traditional linebacker. No tough Borlands in this defense. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, fa- they I'll, I will give them this credit. They do play really fast. A lot of cover for. So they're they're keeping everything in front of them, letting you make the mistakes, and then they try to capitalize on that. Um, however, their secondary is not that good. I'm going to keep it real. Not that good. And because they only have two down linemen. Okay, so you're, they're two defensive tackles are in a three technique and a one, so they run a shade. Uh, and then they got two stand-up DNs, which, again, not traditional defensive ends. They're not your Chase Youngs, or Joey Bosa's, et cetera. Um, they're, they're all about speed. So our offensive line is going to have to adjust for that speed, and their footwork needs to be on point, or it could be a long day. Um, they so- are very Sounds like to me, like right away, just you explaining that to me, we have a huge advantage running the football then. Yes, we do. They are very susceptible – to power running. So, and that's actually one of the clips that we're going to watch today. Cool. All right. Well then let's just dive right in here, Aaron. We got five different clips. We're going to uh, roll. Most of them are defensively. We are going to show you one offensive clip because you know, they it's air raid. It's just spread them out right. And, and it's almost like backyard football is what it feels like in a a lot of ways. (laughs) That's essentially what air raid is uh, with, with all due respect, you know, it's just find the zone, get the window. Um, They don't, they don't throw into tight windows necessarily. It's get the guy beyond the DB and throw it to him. It's backyard football. Like you said. All right, here we go. Here's the first one. This is their lone (laughs) offensive play that we're going to show you here, and it's just going to be on loop. So, All right, so here you got the the 10 personnel. You'll notice one running back to the right of the quarterback, and then they've got uh, twins on both sides. So what happens here? You'll notice the slot gets right behind the linebacker. There's a small little zone there right behind him. They hit him. That was a seam route, a simple seam route. So it's going to be important for our defense to make sure that they're going to play their zones right. Might even stick Sonny Styles or Cam Martinez on the uh, on the slot to just play man the way that um, Sean Wade used to do it. Uh, that's that's a pretty good strategy is man up on the slot receiver. But that's that was just a prime example right there of what what that 
that offense does. They just find the holes in the defense, throw the ball to the zone. The receiver's there, or he's not. Pretty. They have a pretty good quarterback in Austin Reed. So yeah, he's not um, bad. No, he's he's got a lot. He's, he's had some pretty amazing stats over the years, and so it's going to be important. He gets the ball out of his hands really quick. Um, they haven't given up a sack yet in two games. Now they haven't played a defense like Ohio State, but we haven't actually we haven't been setting the world on fire with uh, getting in the backfield uh, from that defensive line. So this is going to be a challenge for them. All right, Aaron, let's run to their defense. Let's start with the. Um, uh, the big long pass they gave up first here is that the one you wanted there the big long pass? Yeah, let's let's roll with that first. All right. <laughs> so the clip doesn't really show the alignment. Okay, uh, pre-snap that is, but you can see that they're rushing the edges. That's what allowed the quarterback to step up into the pocket um, and deliver this pass. And this just illustrates just how not good the DBs are. If you're playing cover four, like you should not, <laughs> that should not be happening right there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, they may, I, uh, it's, it's, it's atrocious. So uh, there's no reason for MHJ or Emeka or Julian Fleming or anybody else to, to have a hard time this weekend. Um, maybe initially, you know, but once we find our groove and stuff, I would look for a lot of deeper passes. And of course that is dependent on our offensive line and I will give them credit as well. Our offensive line looked much better against Youngstown state. And this, this is kind of like a progression game right here. You know, we looked a little rough against Indiana. That was stiffer competition. We got it together a little bit against Youngstown. And now we're going to test it a little bit more against Western Kentucky. It's the last so before Notre Dame, which is going to be very stiff competition, as I'm sure you're all aware. So again, this is just a good chance for the offensive line to get in gel, get in sync with one another, and make a push for for solid passing routes for the whole offense to get in sync. You know, and let's let's make believe here, Aaron, that we establish the run like really early in this game. And it causes those safeties to start to sneak up a little bit. Is that when we hit them deep maybe? Or are, are you like, hey, let's just go deep from the word go and take it to them because they're they're just not that good in the, in the defensive backfield? Against this team, I could see it both ways. Um, against a team with a better defense, you know, you would want to work that strategy like kind of like Urban Meyer used to do. We'd hit them a couple times early with the run and get that established, and then we'd hit them over top with a, with a, a solid, you know, a deep crossing route or what have you. But um, against Western Kentucky, I don't think that it's going to be that big of a, a thing. Uh, we may work that strategy just for the sake of the practice. Um, but I, I could also see Ryan Day coming out and saying, hey, we're going to set the tone early and hit MHJ on a 90-yarder like uh, <laughs> USF just did. So okay. I could see it both ways. Yeah, we know we know like we know Ryan likes passing stats. That's definitely in his <laughs> wheelhouse. So uh, let's take a look at the one here. This is actually a blitz. This is like an all-out blitz that uh, they ran against um, that uh, Houston was it Christian. Houston Houston Christian. I didn't even know that school existed. Against Houston Christian, <laughs> um, and it, and they paid for it a little bit. So if they're gonna if they're gonna bring the house against us. It's going to be bad news uh, possibly for them if we can get the fo football out of Kyle McCord's hands. So go ahead and talk us through this one, Aaron. 
Yeah, so like Eric said, uh, you know, they they brought the house on Houston Christian FCS school down in Texas. Um, and let's be real, you know, it's an FCS school. They don't have the athletes we do. <clears throat> but this is a great opportunity if they, you know, if they show blitz like that, Cade Stover could have a big day, all right? Uh, anybody playing slot, whether that's uh, Tate or whoever, uh, this is a good chance for them. But, again, this is going to be on Ryan Day to recognize it, and I'm sure that if I see it, he sees it, uh, to run levels. So you're going to have a guy on a short route, a medium route, and a longer route, and Kyle McCord either sees it or he doesn't. But this is a good chance for the offense uh, on uh, to, to practice the, the blitz read, and Kyle McCord makes some plays. But I also getting hit with uh, shorter tight end passes. I saw that on other films, but I wanted to use this one just because I felt it was actually more of a clearer film. Can you imagine if that's a Mecca Buka receiving that pass? He's oh, he's gone. not falling down. Yeah, he's, he's gone. gone. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean that that guy that guy was tackled by. Uh, the penguin scarf, like we were joking with last week. <laughs> the old the turf monster. Turf monster got him there. So, all right, this one is actually a, a, a positive clip for them. This is when they pick up an interception in week one against USF. Yes. So this one actually is. <clears throat> this one actually shows some great things uh, that I wanted to point out several things out of. Um, so you, know, you see it's second and nineteen. Well, you see on the far side of the field, the DBs playing up a little bit. Um, and then towards the end of the field, you have the like the safety over top of the inner guy, okay, mm -hmm. the inner receiver. So they're showing some mixed coverage right there, which uh, if you guys remember, Kyle McCord struggled with that against Indiana, okay, because on the other side, you got a DB that's uh, about seven yards off, and then right below him, you got a guy in man. And then you come down to the near side, it's man, and then he's playing about 10 yards off. So this is a mixed coverage, and that's something that Kyle McCord struggled with. Um, so hopefully uh, they don't make us pay the way they did USF right here. But watch the middle linebacker. Not Again, not the traditional middle linebacker. This is not a six foot two, 260-pound guy that's going to plug up a hole. He's out there playing fast, and he's going to make that play. So if Kyle McCord doesn't see the whole field or if he continues to struggle to do so, they're, they're going to hurt us. Uh, with turnovers like that. So looks that is like something it, I wanted to point out. Looks like he just read his mm -hmm. eyes. I mean, he's looking back at his eyes and he's just reading the quarterback and he breaks on that. He breaks on that before the quarterback even throws the football. Well, that was, that was just an excellent play by the linebacker. I'm going to be honest, because if you look, the quarterback actually stared the guy down just about the whole time. Yes, so he it, did. Uh, that wasn't really a hard read to make for him, but, but kudos to him for making it nonetheless because he got yeah. to the zone and made the play. Yeah, he does look a little bit like Sonny Styles. Hey, you weren't kidding. Yeah, he's uh, he's very very athletic. So uh, you know, depending on his depth, running to the edge might be an issue. This is another one of those deals where you know, like Indiana, we made their linebacker look like an all pro. This guy could have that same type of game if we don't get our run game together. Yeah, let's hope not. Right. <laughs> let's hope not. All right, here's the last clip we're going to run, and this is showing them um, – uh, this is a defense, again, it, where they're going all out, and it just absolutely burns them against USF. Yeah, so in this clip, USF is actually in uh, 13 personnel. 
They got one running back and looks like three tight ends in total uh, with a wing. So, you know, power. That's what this indicates, which is why Western Kentucky loaded the box like they did. However, to be fast, typically you're not big, right? And that's where Ohio State gets the advantage here. USF took advantage of it too. Watch how they seal the edge in this play. This is a power run concept right here. It is an option play, but it didn't need to be pitched because USF blocked it so well. This is an opportunity for our wide receivers to get in there. That is something that we didn't do well against Indiana. Uh, so this is a good opportunity for them to engage the block and maintain it and give our running backs a good a good uh, running zone or running lane to get through uh, around the edge. And this can be done up the middle as well. And I understand this is option and we don't run option, but the idea is the power uh, power blocking schemes. Right. That's what I wanted to point out right here. And if I, as I'm watching this, I'm seeing Travion Henderson putting his foot in the ground and making one cut and then just blowing by them. Yes. Is what I'm, is what yeah. I'm envisioning with this. So this could be a big, big day for our running backs, really our offense in, in total, like completely. Like there's no reason to believe that our offense cannot go out there and move the football better than they have in the first two games. Quick question on this, Aaron. Yes. Now that Ryan Day has come out and announced Kyle McCord is the starter moving forward, getting all those first team reps moving forward, took a nice little step from week one to week two. Ryan Day said his goal is to take that kind of step from week two to week three now. Is this the kind of team you would want him to play against to get that confidence where you want it before you go into South Bend, Indiana? Or are you like, I don't know this is the kind of team you want him playing? I'll be honest. Looking back at it right now, I know that we had a lot of complaints against Indiana and, you know, a lot of fans didn't like that we only scored 35 on Youngstown. But this is actually, to me, this is playing out quite well in our favor because he got the confidence booster out of the, the win against Indiana. All right. Sure, it was unimpressive. OK, but you got to start somewhere. Nobody goes to the gym and just benches 400 pounds. Right. Right. Again, nobody just steps into the first, uh, well, the second or first meaningful start and throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns either. Okay. And we got to keep that in mind. Then we come back against Youngstown State. Looks much better, right? This is kind of a medium between Youngstown State and uh, Indiana. So I think this is actually going to be a good step in the right direction. Um, I don't know that we're going to score 35. We might score 49 or 56, 59. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. But I do think that this is going to be a great opportunity to boost confidence, get the line gelled, and execute some good offense. All right, moving on. Let's go and give our predictions, Aaron. Chris is not with us tonight. Um, he's a little under the weather. But this is the point of the week where everybody gives out their predictions for scores. And so before we let you all know what our predictions are, you having just broken down the film for us and me having interviewed uh, someone who covers their team and now diving into this team statistically and the film – what is your feel going into this? Your confidence level? Your um, what are you wanting to see from Ohio State, maybe offensively or defensively, 
and then we'll dive into our, our predictions. But what are you going to watch for? What are you looking for on Saturday? I'm going to look at the coaching staff first and foremost. I want to see the playbook get opened up a little bit. This is a good opportunity to do that, to try some things and uh, against a medium-quality opponent. Uh, like I just said, they're kind of the medium between Youngstown and Indiana. So this is a good opportunity for the coaching staff to kind of put themselves out there and show Kyle McCord that they trust him to execute their offense. So that's the first thing I'm going to be looking for. Secondly, I want to see the line gel against this team. All right, they play fast. Let's see how they adjust to that. They're used to kind of getting shoved forward. Even Youngstown State gave them some, some strength issues there. So uh, this team's giving a, a different look. All right. Uh, Kyle McCord making the throws. This team runs six DBs. Is Kyle McCord going to see the whole field? Or is he only going to focus on the play? Because mm. he missed a wide open Julian Fleming last week. Just yeah. to throw it to MHJ in double coverage. Can I ask a question off of that? Absolutely. Can Ryan Day do anything in his play calling offensively to limit that or help aid maybe in McCord's ability to to maybe focus on half the field? Like, can he break half the field down for him? Or is this more like, no, you want it spread out and then, hey, let's run some maybe some mesh routes or intermediate route, a long route or or. And this would be my opinion. This is what I would do if I was Ryan Day. I would be running the football first, second, third down at these guys. And, and until you stop me, I'm running it. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> that's a good strategy if this is like a do or die, need to win the game. But this is Western Kentucky we're talking about. This isn't Michigan State or somebody that poses a an imminent threat, okay? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful of their of Western Kentucky's program, but this is a game that we're going to win even if we play like crap. Um, so that's why I said I, I, I would like to see Ryan Day open up the playbook and show Kyle McCord and the rest of the team that he trusts him to execute. And to answer your question regarding like seeing half the field or do you need to see the whole field – I think that he's already only seeing half the field. That's why he missed Julian Fleming wide open to throw to a double-covered MHJ because he didn't see the whole field. Now, another aspect of that is uh, Youngstown State got a little bit of pressure on the play, and he felt nervous. So yeah, he, he had to he get rid of the ball. Pressure. Yeah, he had yeah. to get rid of the ball quickly. So, um, again, this is just a good opportunity for the offensive line to make proper adjustments, gel together in a game atmosphere and give Kyle McCord a chance to really uh, to grow, to continue to grow. All right, let's take a look at our predictions, and then we'll tell you how we came up with these. So let's start with Chris's, which is right there in the middle. Chris is going for a, a big win, 42-7. to seven. He says, hey, I think uh, we're going to score a lot, and they're not going to score much at all. So Chris is saying he's, he's taking the over there today uh, with that one, 42-7. to seven. Aaron, you're a little bit on the lower side of things with the scoring. You said 27 to 14. So you think that this defense is going to, you know, maybe make our offense uh, sputter a little bit and the defense is going to only hold them to two scores. I'm on the other hand, I'm going 
let's just everybody score. It's a scoring palooza for me. 45 to 24. I do think Western Kentucky is going to put the biscuit in the basket a little bit here on offense, on our defense. Um, but I also think they can't stop what we have in the backfield. And if they get worried about the run, I do think people like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka and Cade Stover can have themselves a day. So those are our predictions. We want you to put your predictions in the comment section below. And if anybody gets the exact score correctly, you will win a free t-shirt from Ohio State if you're the or from us, that is, from the OHIO podcast, if you're the first to do so. Aaron, how'd you come up with your score? Um, just because I'm not sure that we're at a level of execution yet to score that many points. Uh, you know, if we only put 35 against Youngstown, I'm not entirely sure or confident rather that we're going to put more up against Western Kentucky. But football is a game of matchups, and this one does present a solid matchup, no lie. But I think the fact we're going to open up the playbook a little bit, well, I think we're going to open up the playbook a little bit. Uh, and try some different things. It may or may not gel, you know, and I could be way off the mark here. If they end up opening up the playbook and they hit on all these things and they're executing on all cylinders, dude, this could be a 63 to 10 type of game, you know, Mm. because it is that kind of matchup. You know, we discussed it. Their defense is do or die. And against USF, they, they died a lot. And USF doesn't have the athletes that we do. So it's, you know, this is one of those things. No, this is, yeah, this is, I, I think we're going to do well offensively this week, which could be a little bit of fool's gold the week before Notre Dame. Um, I, yeah. I think we're going to do well offensively, but I also think we're going to come away from this a little bit worried about our about our uh, defense. Um, so we need to be concerned about the fact that we're, fa- this is the first time we're facing an offensive opponent that can put pressure on our defensive backs with that passing game. Now, we have been very high on how they have done. This is the first time we're going to see have have we really made those strides in the defensive backfield like we think we have. If we come away from this and they've only they can only score 10 points or we only hold them to like, you know, a couple field goals or a touchdown and a field goal or a touchdown and a couple field goals, our defense is legit. This is probably yeah. this is probably the most I would say most difficult, I won't say best, most difficult passing attack we will face this year. Yes, I agree with that, and that's just because it's so intricate. You know, I know we kind of joked and said it's like backyard football a little bit, but there's a lot more nuance to air raid than what we're giving it credit for. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more going on there, yeah. There's a reason uh, that it became what it did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's because it can be successful, and Western Kentucky has had a high level of success with it. That's I don't think that's any secret. If you, if you know anything about uh, Western Kentucky at all, they've they've had a high level of success with it in the league they play in. Um, as for our defense, I think that it's going to be uh, an interesting matchup because Notre Dame can throw the ball a little bit, and they run some of the same schemes that Western Kentucky does. They the seam routes that I showed you on the film. Notre Dame will run that, um, and they'll run it out of 11 personnel, and they'll have the the tight end kind of on a, a little out route there, five yards and out a little bit, and they'll hit them with it, and that's what they killed North Carolina State with. NC State focused big on the seam routes and got toasted with the tight end short. Uh, so that's something I think that this is going to help us prepare a little bit for Notre Dame. 
what Notre Dame also has is a is a legitimate running attack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not, not to understate that at all. Uh, if if Western Kentucky runs the football for a hundred too. Yeah. If Western Kentucky runs the football for a hundred yards or more against us, that's not good. We're, no, we're in trouble because they don't that's, run the ball. That's not good. So, <laughs> so we need to make sure that we keep that clean. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an extremely interesting football game. I just, I just feel like it's going to be a lot of offense, and that's fine with Western Kentucky's fine with that. They're like cool. This is the first time where I think Ryan Day's not going to feel stressed about the play clock. <laughs> like the, like <laughs> yeah. he's going to be like this is his environment. Mm. So I, I really think Ryan Day's looking forward to calling plays in this game. I yeah. really do. I think this is this. He's fine. He got through those first two games, and he goes. Okay, now I can be me again here. So yeah. <laughs> um, this will be interesting. Now the thing is, is that puts a lot more stress on Jim Knowles and this defense, and that's what I'm going to be watching. How much better is our defense? You know, statistically we look really good, but we haven't really played a a team that stresses you, that puts stress, that can find a weakness and attack it. That can get you thinking one thing and they do something else. You know, this is this is going to be a challenge for this defense. I'm looking forward to seeing how well uh, they adjust to that. Hopefully they adjust really well. As yes. always, guys, please hit that thumbs up button, like, share, subscribe, all those good things. Ring the bell. We really do appreciate it. And it really does help the channel out. Again, put your prediction in the comment section below on this video. First person who predicts uh, correctly predicts the score will win a free t-shirt from us here at the ohio podcast aaron enjoy the game saturday my friend thank you much and you guys as well absolutely make sure you're tuning in sunday night eight o'clock eastern right here on youtube we go live we're gonna break this game down aaron won't be here He's going to go serve his weekend for the United States military, uh, National Guard, I guess, at this point, correct? And yes, uh, sir. there you go. And so we're going to have a very special guest filling in for him and Big Banter CEO. Yeah, the Big Ooh. Banter CEO is coming in. Oh, we got to bring, bring in big guns to replace the big guns, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Fair. <laughs> Check that out. Be be here. Be square, as they said back in the eighties. Uh, oh, come on, show, showing my gray and my age there. Uh, Sunday night, eight o'clock. Don't want to miss it. Mark your calendars. Go ahead, hit that bell. You'll be reminded. Till next time, be kind to one another. I owe someone's oh St. Carmen High with all your heart. Oh I owe. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.